0: we are now joined by vanderbilt golf's assistant coach gator todd gator thank you so much for coming on how's it going going great buddy appreciate you all having me absolutely thank you so we'd like to just start by maybe talk about your own journey in golf your college career and trying to go pro and what that was like for you
1: yeah sure man um so I grew up in a small town uh, in northwest Alabama called Florence. Um, It's also called the the Shoals area. Um, It's kind of a famous uh, southern music town. You got guys like W.C. Handy and Jason Isbell um, from the area. You got uh, fame recording studios there where um, the Rolling Stones and several other acts would kind of come and, uh, you know, kind of record their albums. It was kind of a a place where they could kind of get away from any distractions. Um, so you've had a lot of cool, um, you know, bands come through there and things like that. So that's kind of what we're most known for. And um, I grew up playing a lot of sports, um, played basketball, baseball, started playing golf when I was about 11. Um, my dad was the one who got me started in the game. I would go out there with him occasionally on, like, Saturdays or Sundays and, and walk nine holes. Didn't really take it serious until I was about 14 or so. Um, <clears throat> but um, I was really fortunate. I grew up on a, on a golf course called Turtle Point. Um, it's kind of a hidden gem in Northwest Alabama. Um, we've got, um, it runs, it runs right along the banks, of the Tennessee river. Um, it's got these rolling hills with, you know, elevation change and you get a lot of different, you know, downhill, sidehill lies really fast undulating bent, uh, bent grass greens. And, 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 and we, and we really didn't have much of a range. Um, so, you know, um, I would just kind of get loose and go play, go compete. And, uh, you know, I say that because it really taught me kind of how to own what I did. Um, uh, it taught me how to hit fades off right to left slopes and, and high draws off down slopes and really taught me how to work the ball and hit different shots and be creative. Um, but anyway, um, I, I'd say I started taking the game seriously at age 14. Um, I started – there's there's a group of guys probably, you know – three to four years older than me that were, they're all really good. at My club, um, they went to play at LSU we had a guy go ahead, a guy go to Memphis and a couple other guys go play kind of small, smaller school golf. And, um, <clears throat> and so I, I tried to just compete with them as much as I could. I, I got my brains beat in, you know, when I was 14, 15, um, started, started kind of playing like local stuff, North Alabama junior golf association stuff, um, got to where I could win there. Um, then I kind of moved up to more regional play the Southeastern junior golf tour, um, you know, got to where I could win there. And then uh, when I was 16 or 17, I finally moved up to the AJGA and, um, and back then there was only 25 or 30 AJGA events going on. So if, if you won out there, you knew you were kind of ready for the next level. And mm-hmm. I, I was able to win one of those events. And that's kind of when I knew I was kind of ready to go play college golf. And, um, I was kind of a late bloomer. So I really didn't get recruited by a ton of schools, you know, early on, um, by my junior year or so, um, when I started winning at the national level, um, that's kind of when I started getting a little bit more attention. I knew I wanted to stay in state. Um, so it kind of came down to Alabama or Auburn and, um, uh, Jay was the, uh, coach at Alabama at the time still is He's had a ton of success there, obviously. Um, but, um, um, he was I guess I was his third I guess I was his third recruiting class and um, so you, you, you just kind of knew meeting Jay talking to Jay um, he was going to build something pretty special there and uh, that was kind of what I got sold on and uh, you know when it comes down to it my mom went to Alabama my dad went to Alabama my, my brother and sister went there my wife is from Tuscaloosa <laughs> so, so my so, so my ties run pretty deep and, and then my dad was a national championship quarterback there. So, um, I, you know, I, I grew up a huge Alabama fan. So, you know, when it came down to it, I, I, I was really never going anywhere else. Um, but, um, you know, the year before I got to Alabama, um, they hadn't made it to NCAAs in like 10 years. And we were like 97th in the country. So that was a positive going in there is that I knew I was going to be able to play right away. And I did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we had another solid freshman coming in my year named Mark Harrell um he uh was from south georgia um so that so that year you know, I, I was able to play every single tournament we advanced to ncaa's for the first time in you know 10 years finished in the top 25 in the country and then the following year um we, we had we we brought in probably the best recruit that jade ever signed named matthew swan who's one of my best friends he's a groomsman in my wedding um he's working in atlanta now but um, so we had a really solid year that year as well. Top 25, you know, made NCAAs. And then my, my junior year is kind of when everything changed. Um, we brought in Michael Thompson, who won the 3M Open this past year, um, I guess yeah. up in Minnesota. Um, he transferred in from Tulane. They had Hurricane Katrina kind of come through there and wipe out their golf program. And, um, and uh, you know, when he came in, you know, it just kind of gave us, he, he was kind of like final missing piece of the puzzle, I would say. And uh, you know, that year we, you know, made a run at NCAA's. We were in the final group to Stanford and Georgia, and uh ended up finishing third, Stanford won, And um and uh and then my senior year, um, we had the best team in the country. We finished number one in all three polls first time in school history, won the SEC championship for the first time in over 30 years. Um, um but I I actually struggled individually that year. Um, I was a I was a first team All SEC player the year before. Really battled expectations and really thought I needed to be more than I you know was as a player. Um, changed equipment, changed my swing. Um, my mind was you know, my mind wasn't really where it needed to be. Um, I was really focused on all the wrong things, and uh, it probably held our team back from winning a national championship. Um, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is 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 in thought I need to be more was I was able to get I was able to play with some great players you know my junior year I was able to play with Dustin Johnson who obviously just won the Masters Um, Jamie Lovemark who was the best player in college golf at the time and uh, Luke List who was who was who was the best player in the SEC Um, and he played here at Vanderbilt and they could just do things with the golf ball that I physically couldn't do and uh, whether it was with a driver or a long iron I just And I just knew that these guys were going to play on tour. Um, Yeah, I felt like that was kind of the new standard. And uh, so I started making changes and I really lost my identity as a player. And eventually it drove me away from the game. And um, so anyway, I went in. I uh, always wanted to be a pro golfer. um, But after I graduated, I wasn't in the right frame of mind, mentally or physically to do that so my dad's in finance um always idolized him i did an internship for about nine months and i got my desire back real quick and um uh made me really miss it and I, I knew my back of my mind that i had to go give it a shot you know i got i, I didn't want to be 35 years old looking back saying what if totally. so anyway i was very fortunate my instructor todd anderson uh was the director of golf at sea island at the time um, he played golf for Alabama, so he always looked after me. Um, I knew I knew if I was gonna go do this pro golf thing, I I think I needed some direction. Um Todd was able to get me playing and practicing privileges down at Sea Island Golf Club. Um, so I moved down there and worked with them pretty much every two weeks. Um I love just the competition and the team environment down there. Um I got to train with some of the <laughs> best instructors. Um and uh we were down some of the best players in the world. Um, I lived with Patton Kazire, Harris English, Hudson Slawford, Brian Harmon. We were all just, you know, doing things together every day, whether it was working out or practicing or playing money games. Um, um sorry, I had someone beeping in right there. It was, it was truly awesome. I mean, I just, uh, it was such, it was such a perfect environment for me to go down there. Um, I mean, I got my brains beat in like I did, you know, in high school golf kind of early on too, but, um, my first year I went out there and played 10 of them on the mini tours and I made one cut in 10 events and you can add that up pretty quick that, 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 that uh, doesn't account to much money <laughs> and, uh, and creates, but, uh, but, um, and I didn't even make it through the first, you know, uh, stage of pre-qualifying for the, for, uh, for, uh, Q school. So, um, but I kept working I played, I played a full year on the mini tours the next year and I made 18 and 21 cuts made made over $90,000 and advanced to the final stage of uh, Q School and um earned you know was able to earn conditional status on the Nationwide Tour that year and that was big for me after basically losing my game you know 2 years prior and just solidified to myself that I could do it um you know I never really took advantage of the events I did get into that year I felt like I was always either playing to make the cut or trying a little bit too hard when I got in those you know bigger events um I was, I was, um, for the next three years, I, I, I just felt like I was kind of going back. I would, I, I would, I would, you know, go play in a, a nationwide event, struggle, come back, play good in a mini tour event, keep my head afloat that way. And I feel like I did that kind of on and off for the next three years. And I just kind of got to a point where I just didn't feel like I was getting better anymore. And, uh, that's kind of when I, that's kind of when I just said, it's, it's probably time to move on and do something different. Um, so and then um and then i you know i mean i love i I love the game um i loved young people i loved developing players i loved helping players so one of my you know one of my best friends uh bobby wyatt who was a walker cupper one of the best players to play at alabama um he was actually the one that uh um talked me into getting into coaching and i just thought i'd be a good coach so that's, uh, it was about probably four or five months after I quit playing. Uh, I applied for three different jobs. It was only only three division one jobs open at the time. It was UVA, which would have been an awesome place to go. Uh, Oregon, they just won a national championship. So I probably wasn't getting that job and then Marquette and, um, and, um, the Marquette coach, um, uh, took an interest in me and, uh, gave me, you know, gave me a job with no experience and, um, so I moved up to Milwaukee, not knowing a soul, and um, it was it was really the perfect place for me to go get my feet wet. Um, he was Steve was Steve was very patient with me. Um, I made a ton of mistakes, and uh, I needed a guy like him who knew how to forgive. Um, totally, I really, I really had a great time working with him. He's probably one of the best you know human beings um, you know that I've ever met, and uh, without a doubt, the most selfless person I've ever met in my life. Um, he always puts. He always puts others before himself. And um, I think that's why he's one of the best life coaches in the country. Um, and then I was there for 11 months. Um, Scott Limbaugh, who's the coach here at Vanderbilt, um, they had, I mean, they were the number one team in the country um, the entire year. They, they won SEC championship. They won NCAA stroke play, lost in the finals. <clears throat> uh, I think Oklahoma, who ended up winning it all, that that summer um so scott was actually the assistant coach at alabama when i played so we had like a so we had a prior relationship always you know kind of kept in touch with each other um i think that anybody that played at alabama while scott was there knew that he was going to be a phenomenal head coach and uh you know that he was going to be great wherever he went so it wasn't really surprising to me to kind of see what he was doing at vanderbilt they had just you know had had the best team in the country for the last two years and uh and um, so anyway, his his assistant, Dusty Smith, became the head coach at uh, Mississippi State that summer. So Scott had a job opening. I was uh, pretty aggressive, to say the least. Um, I think he knew that I would basically crawl through sewage for that job. Um, l- uh, luckily, I was the only guy he interviewed. Um, I came down here to Nashville. We had dinner at his house with his family. Um, he showed me around campus, uh, you know, the golf course's facilities, and I was – I was blown away to say the least. Um, two days later, he called me on a Thursday and offered me the job and uh, told me he, he needed me here uh, in Nashville on a Tuesday. So that was about four days, four days after. So I had to, I had to move out of my apartment, you know, get down here and find a place to live all in about four days. But, man, I couldn't be more excited. And uh, and Scott Scott just taking a chance on me and believing in me and uh, just being here at Vanderbilt it's probably been the greatest probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to me through golf. Um, I'm now in my fourth year here in Nashville. Um, My wife and I are loving it. We've had a, you know, we've obviously had a lot of success here as a team. Um, I believe it's a tribute to our culture. Um, I feel like it's a place built on love, accountability, trust. Um, Guys come here because they truly want to be great in all areas of life, not just golf. Um, Coach Limbaugh does such a phenomenal job, all of our players and it's, and it's not just about good golf scores. He's really does a great job of molding them into men. And um, so, anyway, that's kind of my life story, I guess, all in a you know all in a nutshell. But
0: yeah. So obviously, you know, the Masters just happened, and John Augustine made quite the run there first few days. What was he like at Vanderbilt, and how do you think he made that transition, you know, to playing so well at Augusta?
1: Yeah. Um, John, 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 is a special player to say the least. Um, he's one of the, he's one of the more gifted players I've ever, I've, I've ever seen. Um, you know, with that comes really high expectations for himself. Um, he's, he's very emotional and he's really hard on himself. Um, I've watched him mature so much in the last four years. Um, I feel like the, the older he gets, the better player he's gonna be because he's gonna gain a better understanding of 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 himself and that he doesn't have to be perfect at all like he doesn't have to be perfect all the time. Um I think, you know, kind of going into Augusta, um, we all kind of thought that the golf course fit him perfectly. He's he's a high ball hitter. Um, he can shape it both ways he's one of the best with a wedge in his hand that I've ever seen pro or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, um, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I was a little surprised to see him T4 midway through the round on, on, on Friday, <laughs> um, but, uh, not surprised to see him make the cut. And, uh, I think he's a little bummed out not being low amateur, but just so many, so many positives from the week. He got to play with Rory on Saturday and, uh, you know, John doesn't give a lot of guys compliments, but he was pretty blown away by Rory. Um, just said he could do things with the golf ball that that, that he had never seen. Um, you know, John's pretty long. John's, you, you know, John was probably, I don't, I don't know what he was in driving distance out there, but it was probably been the top 10. And uh, he said that Rory was flying at 20 past him. And uh, so um, that, I think he, I think that was probably the, I think that was probably the, the coolest thing for him is getting to play with guys like that. Uh, at the U S open, he was able to play a practice round with tiger and, and he's, he's always been close with Justin Thomas. And um, so, you know, just him getting to just watch these guys, see how they handle themselves, see how they handle their emotions um, throughout a round of golf. Um, I think it's just so beneficial for him. And uh, I feel like the more times he puts himself there and kind of sees how these guys do it, just the better he's going to be.
0: Did you talk to him at all that week? And if so, what you guys talk about? I just try to – I try
1: not to, like, bother our guys too much when they're at tournaments. Yeah. Um, after the tournament, so, I'll, you know, we'll kind of talk about how things went. Um, um, talk about what they did well, what they didn't do well. He had a lot of great stories. You know, just he played with Bernhard, and he had some pretty funny stories on Bernhard longer uh, on Saturday. Um, but um, he just – he just had. I mean, he just really enjoyed himself. I just thought that – I thought going in, if John could have his expectations in the right spot and really just enjoy the week, um, you know, that he was going to have a good week, um, you know, kind of talking with this caddy who's, who's our, who's our team chaplain, um, awesome guy. Um, he kind of said that John was playing kind of, you know, um, uh, um, non-result oriented golf the first two days, he was just playing golf. He wasn't trying to um, win the golf tournament think about being low amateur. And, like, that just shows, like, that just shows what he's capable of. I mean, the guy was T25 after two days, and he was, T, you know, you know T5 after 27 holes. Um, and then I think on the weekend, things changed for him a little bit mentally. Um, uh, and, I mean, he just started thinking about the result a little bit and, and, you know, things that just kind of distract him from playing, you know, playing his best golf. But he's going to keep learning. He, he's going to keep putting himself in those positions. Um, that's his, I think that's his third PGA tour event he's played and, and second major. So just, man, he's just gaining valuable experience. It's going to help him whenever he does, um, uh, turn professional.
2: Yeah. So you talked about, you know, the importance of a golf coach being kind of a life coach. I just kind of wanted to get your philosophy on what you think the real role of a golf coach is, or specifically a college coach, uh, you know, do you get involved with guys swings, their development, like, you know, how, how involved are you with that stuff? And then how involved with, are you with kind of the, the mental aspect of the game?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like being a, being a college golf coach, you have so many different titles from, uh, swing coach to, uh, mentor to, um, uh, golf psychologist, to you know, just, it's just, there's just so many things that we have to be well-versed in. And, um, so I, I'd say it's different for every player. I'm not, I, I certainly don't think that coach Limbaugh and I are, you know, uh, swing tweakers, I would say um, what, you know, what I try to do is I, I try to, most of these kids already have a relationship with an instructor coming into college. Yeah, And, right. um, and so, so I, I, try to be a second eye for them. Um, I, I'm not really ever trying to say, Hey, you should do this or do that. Like wh- what I will say is, uh, Hey, uh, you know, Mr. Instructor, Chris, you know, we're on number 18 Alworth and Chris's ball is going right, like under pressure. So how do we go attack that and make that better? Um, that's, that's more my role. I, I don't think my role is, is to, you know, tweak anything. Um, I, now I, I will say most, most junior golfers that come in, they, they don't know how to use the balance on their wedges and they don't know how to like, you know, have different shots around the greens they, they don't have any type of wedge system, you know, from 130 yards and then that's where I feel like I can really help benefit them a lot. Um, most of them just kind of know how to put it back in the stance and hit that little, you know, kind of low draw with the chip shot. And that's all they, and that's all they know. And, um, I'm not trying to change that shot, but I'm trying to help them develop more shots, um, learn how to read, you know, learn how to read different lies, learn how to hit shots into the grain, down grain, learn how to hit it high off the down slope, you know, just little things like that, I think is where, we can really come in and help them, um, and help them develop.
0: Now, can we, can we talk about your family history a little bit? Um, your dad, Richard Todd was the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft by the New York Jets. He played 10 seasons in the NFL. Do you have any memories as a child of your dad being in the NFL and, um, what was it like growing up with that?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, in the state of Alabama, I'm always going to be the son of, um, he's, he's like a celebrity everywhere we get in Alabama. Now you get, you get outside of Alabama and nobody really knows who he is, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, he's, so he retired the year I was born in 1986. So I never actually saw him play a game. Gotcha. Um, but when I was a kid, my, my dad actually worked in Atlanta during the week. Um, so I would, so, I, so my mom would kind of raise us during the week and then, and then I would hang out with my dad on the weekends, but you know, while he was gone, I mean, miss him so much. And I, I just had these old jets films that I would watch over and over and over again. And, um, 19, 1982 and three were his best seasons. And, um, I have like the, I have like the highlights from those two seasons and they lost in the, um, I guess it was the NFC championship game both, both those years. Um, so those are my memories. Now he threw more interceptions than touchdowns in in, <laughs> in, in, in the NFL. So I can't look as to what he did before then, but those are the kind of things that I try to, uh, uh, so in, in my mind, he was always just throwing touchdowns and, and uh, being great, but uh, he um, man, he's, he's the most humble guy. I know he's never, he never boasts about, you know, who he was or what he did. Um, he, he, he never really pressured me into playing football. I think he saw early on that, that, you know, I had some talent in golf and he never, never really steered me away from it. He kind of let me, he kind of let, he, he I, I feel like he did a great job of just like introducing me to all these different sports and letting me kind of pick what I wanted. And, um, and, uh, so I think that was really cool of him to just not pressure me into playing football just because he did, you know?
2: Yeah, so I want to get back to, uh, you know, you said you, you lived in Sea Island alongside uh, Patton Kazire, Harris English, you know, Brian Harmon, guys like that. I wanted to see, you know, what it was like playing alongside those guys and what did that do for you mentally? And, you know, how does that influence now you as a coach? Like, you know, you've seen firsthand what it takes for guys to make it out on the PGA Tour, how did your experience playing with those guys really influence your philosophy now?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think. So when I first got down to Sea Island, it was pretty much there's only like four or five guys down there. There was there was Chris Kirk, uh, Brian Harmon, um, Drew Weaver, myself, and you had like you know you had the big time guys like um, Davis Love III, Jonathan Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys. And then my second year is when, when Harris and Hudson moved down there and then then Patton moved the following year. And um, man, just, man, just being around guys that are just like, you're doing the same thing. Like you all have the same goal and you're all trying to get better. Like that, that was, that was so helpful to me. And just to have guys and just to have guys um, to play and practice with and work out with and, 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 and do life with every single day. Um, that was that was just such an awesome experience and then you know I mean I you know all three of those guys were able to make it to the tour. Um, I didn't, but I was able to watch I was able to watch those guys and they all had and they all had different routes um Harris you know he was he 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 the year that I was in final stage of tour school him him and I and Hudson and Brian were, were all there. Brian. And, Brian and Harris both got their uh, PGA Tour cards. I think that was the last year you could get your PGA Tour card straight through um, Q School. Um, Hudson got his web.com card. Um, so Harris and Brian, I mean, they've been on tour ever since then. They've had a ton of success. I mean, they're both just so crazy talented, and uh, they've just done great.
0: You've you um, got to have some good Brian Harmon stories. I hear he's a, he's a hunter.
1: Oh, man, he's a hunter, all right. He's yeah. a hunter and-
2: He's a hunter and a fisherman. Yeah, um, the only guy I know sponsored by <laughs> Columbia, right? Yeah, or he was at yeah. one point. He might not be now, but yeah,
1: man, I can't think of any like any great stories that I can really share right here. Maybe off the phone I could probably share, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Brian, I mean, I'll just say that Brian's an awesome dude. He, um, I mean, he's just I me. Mean, he's just great. He is. He is exactly who he portrays himself to be. He is. Sorry. Actually- we-
2: we lost you for a second there
1: okay um but uh anyway i was talking about the different paths so and then you know hudson he had had to go play the web.com tour twice uh two years before he was able to get out on tour and he's been there ever since but you know Patton had probably the coolest story um he he was he moved down there because he was struggling um he was he was a really good player and he was a really good player at the junior level and had some success in college um but, like, man, when he got down to Seattle, and he, was, he was really in a bad spot with his game. And, uh, you know, he was, he was, I mean, sign up for main tour events, having to borrow money from, from Brian or whoever it was um, just to sign up for the events. Um, and uh, the probably the most impressive thing that I've seen, you know, in professional golf to this day, in my opinion, was seeing his path. And uh, he just – he – I mean, there was never a plan B. Like as is as, as as bad a spot as he was in, and as and as in debt as he was financially, he was never like there was never ever this like oh I you know maybe I need to give it up or maybe I need to do something different. Like there was like he, he just knew what he was doing, and um, I mean yeah, he was able to. I guess his 2014, he 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 had to borrow money to sign up for some mini tour events. Won won the money list on the mini tour that year got his web.com card won the web.com money list the following year and now he's won twice in the pga tour so watching that firsthand was probably one of the probably one of the cooler things i've seen in my you know golfing career was just watching how he did that and as bad a spot as he was in in 2012 and 2013 and then getting to where he did um man i mean it, it took him it took him eight years from when he graduated to get on tour and uh Man, you just see all these kids coming out nowadays, and I think they're just going to jump on tour. And, like, I mean, yeah, they might, but, like, there's just so many great stories of, of, of guys like that that have kind of been journeymen to kind of get out there. You know, I think it really makes them appreciate it more um, because they know the grind that they had to go
0: through to get there. And it's got to be so hard to stick with it because you're, you're out there, you're by yourself. You know, no one's no one's going to help you. And if you're not seeing results, it's just got to be so demoralizing to keep grinding.
1: It is, man. Especially when you you know like have a wife and a family. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I just I still see guys out there right now. They're still playing. I'm just like, man, how are they doing that? I mean, it's just it's just tough, and it's getting tougher now since the PGA Tour like bought. Uh, Canada and South and South America and the, and, and the Chinese tours. Like there's just no, like when I was playing the many tours, you could actually make a living out there. And, and now like, there's just, there's just nowhere to go play. If you're not in the States, there's nowhere to go play and, and be able to keep your head afloat unless you're playing in Canada or South America. So um, I really wish the tours, you know, go purchase the Hooters tour or something like that. I think it just make things a lot smoother like with the transition into uh like into professional golf but you know what the tour is doing i'm not sure if y'all see it or not but this pga tour you um yeah is, i mean it's it's just amazing i mean i think it's just it, it's creating such a great uh outlet for for college kids um you know the top five um the, the top five are e- exempt straight to the web.com tour right out of college um and then on top of that, like they're exempt in the final stage. So they're basically guaranteed a job for two straight years. Um, and then six through 15 um, are, are exempt onto, I think either it's, uh, PGA, they have an option of PGA tour or PGA tour uh, Canada, China, or South America. And then they're exempt from the second stage, you know, regardless. So, man, I mean, just having something like that from out of college, like I know that, like I, I know some guys like Bobby Wyatt would have killed for something like that coming out, you know, just, just to have somewhere to go play instead of having to bounce around in these Monday qualifiers and play these many tour events.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we wanted to see, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens uh, traveling to tournaments and, you know, Vanderbilt plays a pretty hefty schedule. Wanted to see if you had any, you know, funny or interesting stories just from, you know, traveling all over the country with a bunch of college guys, and uh, you know, being one of the best teams in the country. Oh
1: man! I mean, I mean, we've got so many like awesome kids. I mean, Will Gordon, who's who's on tour. Chris and I have texted about him a little bit, but um, I mean, he's just a he's just a jokester. He was always playing pranks on on some of the younger guys, and um, I mean, just having guys like him around just kind of keeps the mood, you know, a lot uh less um less serious on the road, I feel like. Um <laughs> he's got I mean he's done I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but he's always he always kind of kept things pretty light for us out there. Um my second event at Vanderbilt, um I don't know if y'all know anything about Scott Limbaugh, but he's a pretty intense guy. Um but um my second event uh at Vanderbilt I was we were playing at Duke and um I was walking with Augustine. He was a sophomore at the time, and uh, he made a he made kind of a bonehead mistake on a par five and made a six. and And I was mad, and John was mad. and Walking off the green, I just jammed the flagstick into the hole pretty firm. And uh, Limbaugh literally ripped me like I was a player and uh, told me if I ever did that again that that'd be the last time I worked for him. and um, I'll, I'll I'll tell you that I haven't jammed another flag stick into the flag since then. And I feel like <laughs> I feel, I'm a, I feel like every time I, I feel like every time I get mad, um I'm I'm always thinking about it. And I think I think it's something I just always do, I guess. And uh every time I look at that hole and I want to do it, I just kinda gently put it in there now. <laughs> but man, that was that certainly got my attention and you know got me thinking, okay, I need to kind of get my stuff together, you know, if I'm be working here. So
2: yeah. Yeah, it must be it must be tough, right? Because you you feel like you're kind of vicariously living through the players, right? I mean, there's not not a lot you can do. You can try to get them in the right mindset for each shot. But, you know, once they step up to the ball, they're on their own. But you at the same time, you know, you're living and dying sort of by every shot that they hit. So it must be kind of tough to, to manage your emotions and then also translate that to your player and really try to keep them in the right mindset.
1: Yeah. We have, we have a saying that calm is contagious and, uh, you know, especially in postseason, and we've had a lot of success in postseason. but, um, you know, I think, I think that's so true. Like if, if, you know, a, a player can sense if you're panicking and, yeah, uh, absolutely. Or, or if you're upset or if, you know, I mean, what you're selling to, you know, your team is so important. And, uh, I just try to keep a like the older I get, I think I'm getting better at it. But, um, you know, coach and I both just try to keep a very calm demeanor out there, very positive. We don't text, you know, if, you know, we're texting throughout the round information about the course or whatever, but, you know, we've kind of made a vow to never really text anything negative. You know, John just made a bogey here. Well, don't text that. How about just text it? You know, William just made a birdie right here or something like that or, you know, whatever. Um, so just keeping everything, you know, calm and, and positive is still so important.
2: Yeah. I mean, Chris and I can definitely speak to it. We we both play college golf and we both, you know, kind of see what it's like to, to be a college golf coach and be associated with it. And it's like a lot of people could think it's the easiest job in the world. Right. Cause you're not, you know, like a basketball coach, you're not really fixing shot form. You're not drawing up plays, you know, golf is so individual, but at the same time, it's also the hardest job in the world because managing emotions is so difficult and you have to be so in touch with your own emotions to be able to convey that to other guys so I I really have a lot of admiration for you guys the the guys that do it because it it's very difficult
1: yeah I mean it's it's uh I mean it's it's hard not to show emotion a lot of times but uh you know just and and I'm I'm certainly not perfect at it but um you know I feel like is I feel like I feel like the more times you can just kind of learn how to control things, especially for a young, like right now we've got a really young competitive team. And like, you know, the last thing they need is to see a coach, you know, uh, look unconfident or look frustrated or whatever. Now, now if we're in practice, it's, it's totally different, but like in, in in a, you know, in a game time situation, like they're, they they you know, in my opinion, there just can't be any of that. Um, yeah. It's got a very consistent demeanor all the time. Um, so try to take all the like I like I don't look at golf stores like coaching I don't look at like golf stat throughout the round. Like I just feel like that just makes your emotions too high. You know, and uh I, I know some coaches do, I know some coaches don't like, but for us like it just doesn't work. And him and I are both, you know, pretty high emotion guys. And um like I like that's really helped me a lot um just like not have too much uh up or down, you know, kind of out there on the course, you know? Um It's hard to do. I feel like most, I feel like most coaches are looking at live live scoring, but man, it just, you know, when it comes down to it, it really doesn't matter. You know, I mean, like it's guys are going to shoot what they're going to shoot. And, 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 um, you know, at, at, you know, at at the end of the day, they're all, they're all going to add up the same, you know, after a three day tournament. So.
0: Peter, how, how does your team look this year? And does it seem like you guys are going to have a spring season?
1: I'm pretty confident we're going to have a spring season. Um, we actually just finished the fall ranked number one in golf stat. Um, so we had a really good fall. Um, we, um, the ranking came out yesterday, I guess, but, um, so we were pretty pumped about that. Um, we have a really young, young team. Like I said, um, we've got, um, a guy named William mall from Houston. Um, he's a sophomore. He's, he's ranked number two in the country right now. Um, will uh, Matthew Riedel, he's also from Houston a sophomore he's ranked number nine and then we have a then we have a kid named Reed Davenport um who's who's from Austin um and he's he's, he's had a really solid year so far too and those three have kind of been our leaders other than John um, so far this year and but uh I, and I I really think we're having a solid year so far there's certainly a lot of room for growth but um you know as far as our start and everything um you know I think coach and I are pretty encouraged by where we're at.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll be rooting for you for the rest of the season, and uh, hopefully you guys end up taking the uh, NCAAs if, if they do happen. But we'll be yeah. pulling for you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: Well, Gator, thank you so much for, for giving us your time. We can't thank you enough. We wish you the best of luck for this season. Thank awesome. you. We,
2: re- we appreciate the time.
0: Thank you so much, Gator. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Y'all give them-
2: I hit a chili dip it was off the it was off the hosel i mean cameron davis is a joke mike you got any takes on the e-golf pro tour you already have iron covers.
0: you already look like a (laughs) giant pussy
2: i don't care i honestly don't give a shit (laughs) he could be six feet under at this point whoever wds
0: i didn't watch a single (laughs) bit of it but i'm gonna chirp at the fairmont st andrews because of the name paul tesori paul tesori friend of the pod neiman friend of the pod friend of the pod yeah friend of the pod. Betsy. Terrell hadn't. Are you
2: kidding me? And there's a raccoon. No joke. Like 20 feet away. Florida.
0: Say Florida. I'm hanging. Florida. No, you can't yeah. say Florida.